Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Get right to the word of the Lord here today. I'm going to direct your attention, amen, to the book of Colossians, please, chapter 2. So good to see everybody in the house of the Lord here this evening, amen. What a great passage of scripture this is. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted, somebody say rooted, built up and established in the faith. Rooted, built up and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through vain philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Man, that's a powerful verse. But it follows up with even an incredible statement. And ye are complete in him. Ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised, with a circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism. How do we receive circumcision from the flesh? This is what Paul is saying. It's not a period there that separates these two verses. He's continuing the thought. It's like he has this thought and this thought is put together, buried with him in baptism, wherein ye also, uh, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who being raised from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all have forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers. Don't let philosophy spoil you, but Jesus spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I'm going to talk to you tonight on this thought, marching in triumph. Say that with me, marching in triumph. 
Thank you, Lord, today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your people that have gathered. And this is, we, are, we are in session, God, in a kingdom meeting. This is a kingdom meeting. We're not just simply getting together to get together, but we're getting together to become, Lord, e- even closer to you. We want to learn from you. We want to be a unified group, Lord Jesus, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in every way possible and living in victory. Let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. What a great message we heard Sunday night from Brother Donnie Weininger. What a great message we heard. And again, he had no idea what the Lord is dealing in my heart about where we're going over the next uh, few months. Amen. I, I feel a shift in the spirit. There are times in pastoring that you just give and you, you, you share what the Lord has to you. And there are other times where you're standing and you see God's about to do something incredible. God is about to do something incredible here at, at MPC. And I want to be a part of that. But he certainly knocked it out of the park Sunday and the Holy Ghost fell. And uh, this is a battlefield, not a game. This is a fight. It's not a game. This is a serious thing. And you only have to look at the world that we are living in, that our world that is turned upside down by a society that has now succumbed to what what is known as victimhood. Victims. We're all victims. Every group now is a victim. Doesn't matter where it's coming from. So if everyone is a victim then no one has to take personal responsibility for their mess. I'm a victim, therefore my mess is okay. My mess is fine because it's the rich people's fault. It's the government's fault. It's the white man's fault. It's the brown man's fault. It's the black man's fault. Whatever skin, whatever race, whatever culture, it's their fault. And if kids are messed up, it's mom and dad's fault. It's grandpa's fault. It's cousin Ed's fault. It's Aunt Sally's fault. When you read the Bible, you will find that there's two prophets that wrote about this Hebrew adage that says, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. My dad did this, and look what life I have. Instead of saying, I got to take responsible for where I am right now, and I got to overcome this. I can't go back in time and undo what my dad did, or what, even if, if you were abused. You can't go back and undo that. You have a decision either to live as a victim or live as a victor. There's only two decisions. Amen to that. But if I'm, a, if I'm a victim, I don't have to take responsibility for my actions. I can protest, and I can steal stuff, and I can kill people because I'm a victim. Mm-hmm. And if I go and I go over, uh, over you know, to our federal government, to our, our Congress building, and I want to go in and take over, that's okay because I'm a Christian. I can do that. I'm a conservative. Y'all didn't see that coming, did you? People who are victims identify with being oppressed. 
They are, are the downtrodden. They are the distressed. They're the wronged. They're the afflicted. They're the abused. They're the offended. They're mistreated. They're suppressed. Uh, they are victims. We live in the land of the free, but we're quickly shifting to the land of the oppressed. With Everybody's got their own little thing that has happened to them. Amen. If we have victims living in $6 million homes and driving Lamborghinis and Bergatis in the garage, then where in the world is the poor and the poverty? I've never been so frustrated watching these big movie stars that make mega bucks talk about how oppressed they are. They're a victim. They're a victim of their culture and the society. What do we call a 14-year-old girl whose parents repeatedly sells her out to sex trafficking? Now, that's a victim. Amen. We've got to understand the fight that we are in. Uh, Sun Tzu was a Chinese general who died in 496 B.C., four, almost 500 years before Christ, who wrote... The, 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 the book that everybody knows about and the treaties that he wrote about is The Art of War. It's the oldest surviving treaties of military strategy. And, and it is still considered among uh, the elite when it comes to strategists. But he wrote this and he said, If you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. He went on to say, If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer of defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb to defeat in every battle. I think the first thing we got to understand is who we are in Christ. That's, that's really the ultimate of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Amen. The first step that a, a soldier needs to take in training is to know the strategy and the weaponry of the enemy, but he also needs to know the strategy and the weaponry of who he's fighting with and for. Paul said it like this, we are not ignorant of, of Satan's devices. We're not. How many of you have ever seen the devil coming a mile away and you knew you saw it coming? How many of you have ever had him just sneak up on you? Been there both times. Amen. Paul wrote in, in, in Ephesians that we are, as, as Brother Weiniger talked about on Sunday, but we're to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the schemes, the ploys, uh, the military uh, movement of the devil. Amen. What we see in our natural culture, what I talked about with the uh, uh, victim mentality and the victimhood of our culture <clears throat> mirrors what is happening in the spirit realm. What we see that is happening before us is what is going on in a spirit realm as well as in the natural. <clears throat> what you see is not the main battle. What you see in our culture is not the main battle. It is the evidence of the battle, but the main battle is a warfare that is going on in the heavenlies right now. <clears throat> Dr. Tony Evans speaks about this in his book, Victory in Spiritual Warfare, when he said, this war is different from all other wars, not only because of its sheer magnitude and scope, 
but also because the war is fought in places that we have never seen. Spiritual warfare is cosmic conflict waged in the invisible spiritual realm by simultaneously fleshed out in the physical realm. To put it another way, the root of the war is something you cannot see. But the effects of the war are clearly seen and felt. This is because everything physical is either influenced or caused by something spiritual. Behind every physical disturbance, every physical setback, every ailment or issue lies a spiritual root. Unless we first identify and deal with the root spiritual cause, he said, our attempts to fix the physical problem will provide only temporary relief at best. Can I just tell you, there is no legislation that will fix the culture that we're in. There is no uh, march that's going to fix the culture that we're in. There is no precedent that can come on the scene and fix the culture that we're in. Amen. The only thing that will fix where we are is revival. The only thing that will set us on the right course is an awakening of the Holy Spirit. And if the church doesn't realize this, we're going to miss our opportunity. <clears throat> the victimhood mentality that we see in the natural shows how that in reality there is a war with the kingdom of darkness right now for the people of God to think and feel like they are victims. If Satan can get our minds on blaming everyone else for all of our problems, then we shift our focus from a God who is unbeatable to a physical realm that we see around us. Amen. Our enemy wants us to blame ourselves. If we don't blame other people, we blame ourselves about how bad our life is and how we feel powerless to overcome, how we're battling something and we can't get over it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm hooked on this or I've got this habit or I've had this issue or, or this happened to me when I was a child or this happened to me last week and, and, and so I can't get this straight and I can't get this right. That does not come from God. That comes from the enemy and the spiritual warfare of our age. Amen. If hell can keep us feeling oppressed and like we are a victim and we take on a victim's mentality, then we'll never have to deal with the spiritual threat of the enemy. We just simply blame it on something else. If my marriage was better, I wouldn't be so defeated. <clears throat> If my health was, was better, well, I could really fight the devil then. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Y'all with me tonight? You're hearing it? If, 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 you know, if I had the knowledge to know the right kind of technology, if I had the right technology in my life, then I could win. If I had the faith of so-and-so, I could win. If my dad was alive, I could win. If my mom was here, I could win. Amen. If I hadn't born, been born into this family, I could win. If I hadn't been abused, I could win. If I hadn't got divorced, I could have won. If, if people treated me better, I'd be a winner. If I just had this in my life, or if I had that in my life, if I, if I had more kids, or if I had less kids, I would be able to be an overcomer. 
Amen. I'm going to tell you why you feel these, these thoughts come to your mind. It's because there's a spiritual warfare that is going on that says we want you to be a victim. We want you to feel like you're defeated. And we want you to sense and say that you're defeated. Woe is me how awful it is, how bad it is. I've been abused. I've been hurt. I've been hurt by this and I've been hurt by that. And I've had this happen in my life. Amen. You know what that is? It's the spirit of the enemy wanting to keep us with a victim mentality because he knows if we ever, for one moment, begin to believe that we are more than conquerors, if we ever really begin to believe that God is greater and able to help us overcome, amen, he knows that he is already lost. <clears throat> we need to understand that we are not a victim. We are a victor through Christ. I want to give you, you know, just simply two suppositions, two necessary ideas that must be understood when you're engaging the enemy in spiritual warfare. Hold your finger up. That's not ten. It's just two. I about to say, I can handle two. Two things that you and I need to remember when we begin to gauge the enemy in spiritual warfare. Number one, we do not fight for victory because in Christ, we fight from victory. We've said it before, but we say it again. We're not fighting for victory. He's already won it. He has already won the victory. Amen. The victory for everything you face in your life, from your health to your mind to your car to your job to your marriage to your situation to the drug addiction to everything that you face in your life. He's already paid the price. He's already run the war. I've got to simply just get engaged and connected and fulfill and vindicate what he's already done. That's number one. We fight from victory. Number one. Number two. We fight with more powerful weapons than the kingdom of darkness. Your weapons are better than their weapons. Amen. When you begin to think about all this stuff, how many remember back in the, um, <clears throat> the Gulf War, I believe it was, there was a, a, we got to see for the first time. I remember staying up real late and watching CNN because it was the only thing that was on. But watching CNN and watching all the, the bombs going off and everything like that, and they did a thing that was... The luckiest man in Baghdad. Anybody remember that? The luckiest man in Baghdad, they showed one of these missiles launched from, from a, 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 one of our smart bombs from an airplane, and, 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 and he just went by on a motorcycle, and right behind him, it blew up a bridge. He was the, the luckiest man in Baghdad because he missed being blown up on that bridge by just that much. Folks, the reason that we overcome, because we had better weapons than they had. We had more powerful weapons. We had better trained armies. We had more resources. Can I tell you today, the devil wants you to think you don't have enough resources to overcome. You don't have enough weapons. Pray. Oh, wow. What's that? Uh, uh, fast. Well, I've tried that. You know, uh, uh, worship. I read the word. I do all this kind of stuff. The devil will make you think like those weapons don't work. Uh, can I just tell you that you're already one? It's just simply telling your head and your soul, I walk in victory, not I I'm not pursuing victory. I am already victorious. I don't care if my back hurts. I still am in victory. doesn't matter if my mind's all messed up. I'm still in victory. It doesn't matter if my car broke down and the dog ran away. I'm still in victory. It doesn't matter if something happened in my world and my world is all upside down. In Christ, I am victorious. Yeah, right. 
I am really disturbed in our culture in church where people have to constantly pray through over the same things. Years ago, my dad pastored in Longview, Texas, and there was a prayer warrior that went to that church, a, a dear lady, and, and she was the kind that she would go sit on the altar before altar call. When it was altar call time, this lady would go and sit on the altar, and she'd wait. Because if somebody came up for prayer, she was going to slide over there to them and begin to pray for them. And she was, she was feeble, she couldn't see real good, and she'd go and she'd go sit on the altar waiting for people to come. And one night there was a man that come who was a chronic, chronic revival time. He'd pray through, get the Holy Ghost, and he'd go backslide, and he'd come back, and, and he'd go through the motions again and again and again and again until uh, this dear sister, and I don't remember her name, but, but she was sitting on, on the altar, and here comes this guy, and she slides down just because of her age, slides down because she came to him too quickly and she goes over there and she lays his hand, her hand on him and says, don't fill him Lord, he leaks. There's a lot of people that leak and the reason they leak is because they're a victim. They're constantly saying, I can't make it, I can't do it, I can't overcome baloney. He's already paid for it. He's already won the victory for you. Amen. We just got to get out of our stinking thinking and our doubt and our fear and our disbelief and wondering how God's going to make it. So what if you hurt some more? So what if it gets worse and it looks bad? He's already gone the distance for you. Praise be to God. So two things to keep in mind, two ideas to be sure to keep in mind. We fight from victory, and our weapons, our battle, are more powerful than hell's. We have the word. Hell doesn't. We have the name of Jesus. Culture doesn't. We have the blood that we sang about tonight. We have the blood of Jesus. They overcame by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the lamb. We have the blood. I plead the blood. That's still uh, something a lot of people de debate over, but I want to tell you, I've prayed that prayer many a time and watched God step in, amen, because the blood is a no zone for the devil. It, it, it's don't cross that line. He's not going to come over there. He's not going to deal with that. He doesn't like the blood because that's what made him to be defeated. Defeated hell lost at the cross when the blood of Jesus was shed. Amen. We have the baptism of the Holy Ghost inside of us. We have God, we have the captain of the host, the glorious victor of all living inside of us. Is there one devil that's too big? No. Let's look at our scripture tonight. Go back to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to walk through this. Amen. It said in verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. I want to talk to you about the battle has already been won in this scripture. We're going to be talking about how the battle has already been won. Say that with me. The battle has already been... Matter of fact, the war has already been won. Amen. So here's what has to happen. You have to receive Christ. You have to receive Christ. Now, 
There is no place that I know of that says I, got, I receive the Lord as my personal Savior. No, I receive Christ Jesus the Lord. This word received is more than just simply, hey, welcome, Lord. I, I believe you. Now let, let me go get a Big Mac. Amen. To receive Christ is to bring Christ alongside of you. I receive Christ. I come and I bring Christ with me. Amen. I bring him with me. Uh, 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 to formally receive, this means to formally receive authority from an approved source. I receive his authority. He is the Christ, the anointed one, the one full of righteousness. All prophecy is fulfilled in Christ. Every cost of salvation was paid for by Christ. I receive not only Christ, I receive him as Jesus, the manifest God in flesh. I receive him as Jesus, the Savior. I receive him as Lord, the master, the owner, the ruler, the supplier, the sovereign. Amen. If you receive Christ, then you get Christ in you. Amen. And you get in Christ in the same way. He said, I receive Christ Jesus the Lord. So here's, that's what's got to happen. And then here's what you do, soldier. Walk in him. If you receive him, behave like him. Act like him. If I say I receive him and then I don't act like him and I don't walk like him, I really didn't receive him. I really did not receive him. Receive him and walk in him. And then he says, what else you're to do is to be rooted, built up in him, established in the faith. Hallelujah. Be rooted. Be fixed. Be thoroughly grounded. You want to win in this warfare that you're in? You've got to be grounded. People who are wishy-washy, people who can't get rooted in in a relationship with the Lord, can't get rooted in church, can't get rooted in faith, is going to find themselves on the victimhood side and not on the victor side. Be rooted. He said, be built up. Somebody say, he's still working on me. That's what this is talking about, growing. I've got to be built up. I've got to grow up. Uh, It carries the idea that there's some more construction to come. Hallelujah. So, So when we say we're building up this church, that means there's some more construction to come. Can you thank the Lord for that? Uh, Praise God and bless you for your building fund offering. Snuck that in there. He said, and established in the faith. That means standing firmly on your feet, fully persuaded, fully convinced. You have have, have proven that it is true. The Greek word here literally comes from a root word that means it's fit to tread on. That means you can stand upon it. Oh, praise be to God. You know what? I've tested these chairs out before, and I can stand on it because I've seen that that it will hold me. Hallelujah. That's some truth of God's word. You shouldn't just be walking around looking at it and saying, that's pretty good. Get on it. Stand on it. Get on the word of God. Stand on the word of God. Be established in the word of God. Don't let every wind of doctrine. I'm telling you how to be a victor and not a victim. Amen. Stand on the word of God and believe the word of God. Hold true to the word of God. Amen. That's how to be victorious in this hour. Get planted. Stay planted. Keep growing. Stay firm. And all... Do it with thanksgiving.
Let's do that right now. Can you thank the Lord for the word? Can you thank the Lord today for being established? And I thank God for an established church. I thank God for a church that's still planted 108 years later. Amen. Still planted. Oh, praise be to God. And we're still growing. We're still developing. Thank the Lord. That's what you got to do. And in verse 8, he talks about something you got to guard against. He said, beware, in Colossians 2 and 8, beware lest any man spoil you, strip you, make you be completely, rob you of everything through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. Beware lest any man spoil you. Be on the lookout to keep a spiritual radar on high alert, amen. Everything you watch, everything you see, everything you hear needs to go through the filter of this verse. And that is be alert, be aware, discern the times that we're living in. We're not living, <clears throat> we're not living in the 70s and battling what we battled in the 70s. We're not living in the 50s and battling what we battled in the 50s. But we're living in the last days when the Christ of glory is coming back again. And the Antichrist spirit has raised its ugly head. Amen. We're not in an era of the 1800s and the 1700s. God's got you here for this purpose and for this time. And if he didn't think that you could handle it, you wouldn't be here. Come on and praise him. Praise him in this place. Beware. Discern the times. Watch out for false philosophies. Discern the spirit of the age. Watch out. When you see all this victimhood, realize it's really not about that issue. It's about the battle that's going on in the heavenlies right now. It's going on in the heavenlies. Beware lest any man spoil you. Spoil. It's an interesting word. It means to carry away as prey. To carry away as a captive and a slave. The image in context is carrying someone away from the truth into the bondage of air. How many of you watch your feeds and you see on your social media how that there are people that are being spoiled? They're being carried away. Things that they used to hold dear. Things that are Bible-based. Things that were truth. They are now being carried away into the lie. And, 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 and <clears throat> I'm not throwing off on anybody, but one of the most disturbing videos I've ever watched is a man that was one of the greatest one God preachers that I've ever seen decided that all of a sudden he is now denying the oneness of God. Don't let the enemy spoil you, spoil you from truth. Let's follow truth. And then he said that through <clears throat> philosophy, spoil you through philosophy. There is a lot of philosophy in our world today that's smart. It sounds good, but it is not of Christ. Amen. Philosophy is studied, it is known as the study of reality and knowledge and values. It is profitable and is interesting in its context, but that's not what this verse is talking about. When he says philosophy, he is talking about quasi-religious 
doctrine. He's talking about speculation and false teaching. Amen. Uh, G. Campbell Morgan said, philosophy has, has been a quest, but never a conquest. It never can win. J.I. Packard said it like this, philosophers are people who talk about something they don't understand and make you think it's your fault. They talk about something they don't understand and make it think it's your fault. Another person quipped this about, a ph- about philosophers. He said they are a blind man in a dark room looking for a black hat that isn't there. <clears throat> Someone else said philosophy is saying what everybody knows in language but nobody can understand. Philosophy. Today, the the, the main philosophy that I'm addressing is a philosophy of victimhood. Do you realize it begins with the, the understanding and the doctrine that says people are good and society makes them bad? No, people are born in sin. It's not society that makes us bad. It just mirrors what people really are. But this world would like to say, I'm a victim. Amen. I like what the Amplified Version says. See to it that no one carries you off as spoiled or makes yourself captives by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit, idle fantasy, and plain nonsense, following human tradition and man's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world. They are just crude notions following the rudimentary and and elements of teachings of the universe and disregard the teaching of Christ. Let's get rid of the word. Let's not use the Bible. Let's not teach the Bible, but let's teach what man has to say. Boy, aren't we smart? Turn to three people and say, I'm, I'm smart. How about you? I'm smart. Smart people. Whew, that's what we are. Then he said, beware lest any man spoil you through vain philosophy or through philosophy and vain deceit. Everybody say vain deceit. This is an interesting word because it sure speaks about our day. You know what vain deceit means? Empty-headed. Devoid of having a significant point. It does. Praise God, if you didn't hear, Bishop just said that sounds like Washington. It sounds like just about every major university. It sounds like Hollywood. It sounds like a lot of preachers behind pulpits. Devoid of truth, that's what it means, deceit, vain deceit. Devoid of truth, uh, empty containers, boasting of faith but having no fruit. Labor and endeavoring, yet it results in nothing. Can I just ask, where's the fruit of all this? Have you seen any real positive from, from all this? I'm just using victimhood because that's just the one thing I'm pointing out. But have you seen any positive results from all this victimhood? I've seen safe spaces in bubble wrap rooms. I've seen people that are walking in fear. I've watched people that get so offended because somebody says something that it could have somehow been referenced some way about their life, their belief. A victim, vain deceit, no purpose. After the traditions of men, can I just tell you, not every tradition that's been handed down to us matches this. 
And if a tradition doesn't match the word and have a character and value related to that, we need to get rid of it. Some traditions are the traditions not of Scripture, but of man. Amen. Beware of that. The Pharisees had added so much to the traditions and so many things that Jesus said, you have made the word of God of none effect. Then he says, the rudiments are the principles of this world. Amen. Paul wrote to the Galatians and said, even so, when you were children, you were in bondage under the elements of this world. Can I tell you, astrology is still a rudiment of this world. The new age, humanism, Wicca, and all other spirits thing that doesn't match up to the word of God is a rudiment of this world. But then he says, they do this, but not after Christ. Somebody say we got to pursue Christ if we want to win. So how do we fight? We stay in the book. And not allow the philosophy of this world to come against us. Not allow the nonsense. Don't let yourself get in the nonsense. Don't let yourself get in the nonsense. I'm telling you what, folks. We are getting ready to go into a political stage for our presidential election. And it will be unlike anything that we've ever seen before. It will be a bloodbath. Don't let yourself get caught up riding a donkey or riding an elephant. Because God doesn't ride a donkey and God doesn't ride an elephant. But I know what he does ride. He rides a white horse and he's coming back again as a king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. Don't let yourself get so caught up that you begin to foam at the mouth like all these other people. My hope, Brother Patrick, is not in this world. My hope is in Christ. My hope is in his word. I stand on his word. That doesn't mean that I ignore voting. It doesn't mean that I don't get involved civilly, but it just does, it, it means that I am not going to get wrapped up in the rudiments of this world. I wish I had somebody take three laps because that was a word. God bless you. You can be seated. Then he says in verse 9, For in him, don't forget Christ, for in him dwell the, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, for he is the head of all principality and power. Somebody say, I'm complete in the one who has all the fullness. I have all the fullness because I'm complete in him. I'm not a little, I'm not a little God. No, no, no. Amen. Have you seen this face? This is not a face of a little God. No, no, no. But what I am is that if I am in him, then I am complete in him. Praise be to God. When, I, when it says I am complete in him, it means I am made full in him. He supplies liberally what I need. I am filled to the top in him. I want nothing because of him. I like nothing. He's the Lord and he's my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. I am complete in him. That means I carry, I'm able to carry things to the end. I'm able to accomplish. He that began a good work in you is going to finish that work. Quit letting the devil make you feel like you're a victim and just feel like if I could just barely 
get in. We're not going to just barely get in by the, by the hair of our chinny chin chin. We're going to march in triumphant, victorious, hallelujah, over everything the devil threw at you. And because he tried his best, but yet you are in Christ, you're complete in him. You're complete in him. Somebody say hallelujah. I'm complete in him. Without Christ, we are morally, spiritually, and mentally bankrupt, incomplete, without him. Mr. Vincent, in his study on this verse, says, we are made full in him. He said, not, rather, let me quote it verbatim, quote, not, you are made full in him, but ye are in him and made full. Let that sink just for a minute. Not ye are made full in him, but you are in him and made full. In him dwells the fullness. Being in him is the prerequisite for the fullness in my life. If I want to overcome the devils that I'm facing, I need to go find my place in him. I need to bury myself in him, not in work, not in issues, not in family, not in victimhood mentality, but I bury myself in him. Christ, here I come. Amen. I'm going to be complete in you. In him, we are completely furnished with every weapon of warfare. In him, we are completely given any in everything we need to know to win this battle. We are not a victim but we win. He's the head over all things, and we win. He is, has all power, and in him we win. I want to go to the one that I could be complete in him. Praise be to God. Let's pick up the reading in verse 11. I'm not going to go into the study here, but just let's carry this through because I want to get to a verse that is connected very deeply, but we got to read through this to understand what it means to be complete in him. He said, in whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision without hands. Abraham had circumcision as a physical, literal sign of covenant. We have spiritual circumcision as a sign of putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What is that? What is spiritual circumcision? It's that we're buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him. Him through the faith, the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being quickened in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Here's how I know that I win. He went to the cross and he defeated Satan. And he won the victory, and then he gave me the privilege and the blessing of being born again of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, of repentance, baptism, and the infilling of the Spirit. And now I can walk and be complete in him and overcome as he has overcome. Can I tell you, Calvary does not look like the world looks at it. The world looks at it as a bloody 
awful mess. But I will tell you, if you look behind that physical realm, you would see the spiritual realm where he whipped Satan and he destroyed Satan and he took the authority from Satan and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. This is what he says in verse 15. And having spoiled, remember the, don't let yourself be spoiled by vain philosophy. Well, Jesus came and he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly, triumphing, triumphing over them in it. The word spoil is enough to make anybody shout. The word spoil means disarm. He disarmed the enemy from every weapon. He took and rendered him harmless. The devil goes about as a roaring eye, seeking who may devour. Yeah, that's right. But at the cross, Jesus punched his teeth out. Amen. And if you know who you are and you know that you're not a victim and you know that you have Christ that is that is, is risen from the grave and yet you are in Christ. When the devil comes, he's got to deal with the fact that he's already been whipped. Hallelujah. There's two things you can tell the devil. I know what happened to you in the past and I know where you're headed in the future. You were defeated at the cross and your destiny is a place called the lake of fire and you're going to be there with all your minions for the eternity, through eternity. And you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be doing what your job was supposed to be. I'm going to be worshiping around the throne and praising God throughout the ages. The word spoil is, is a military term. Jesus Christ achieved complete victory at the cross and the empty tomb, and he has subdued our enemies by that. Satan and his demons no longer have the same authority that they had before the resurrection. Oh, he's still busy. He's still working, seeking whom he may devour and deceive and tempt. Amen. But you and I, because we are in Christ, we don't fight for victory now. We just simply say, I get to execute an order that was already passed and established. I get, I get to execute a law that has already been established. Amen. I still have power over demonic forces. I'm just simply telling you today, the devil wants you to feel like a victim, like you're defeated, like everything in your life is so messed up. Shake that off and realize it's a spirit of the age. It's a spirit of the times that we're living in. And we need to go back to see what Christ did. And we say, you disarm the enemy. You disarm the enemy. You disarm the enemy. And I'm going to believe that victory is already won. Having spoiled principalities and powers. Put that verse up, verse 15. Having spoiled. Somebody say disarm. He's already disarmed the principality and powers. Paul said in it, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and he listed a few more. Well, he's already disarmed them. And I've got the armor of God on, and they don't. 
Then the statement is made that he made a show of them openly. He not only whipped the devil, he had a parade with his victory. Okay? How do you know that? Because of the word triumphing. It's an interesting word. Triumphing refers to a Roman parade that when a Roman general conquered his enemies, he would take them on a public road down through the middle of Rome till he got to the center of Rome. Let me share with you what I, what I was able to find. It was the highest honor that could ever be paid to a, a general who was victorious. When the Roman government would give a general a triumph, that's what they called it, a triumph. It was the ultimate honor. Before any Roman general could be granted a triumph, he must have achieved some certain things in his victory. He must have been the actual commander-in-chief in the field, not some secondary leader. The campaign that he engaged in must have been completely finished. The battle completely won to its last moment. The region which he had conquered had to be completely pacified and the victorious troops had to come home with him. These were the prerequisites for a general to have this triumph. Furthermore, according to Roman history, 5,000 of the enemy at least had to be killed. 5,000. Furthermore, as a result of the campaign, a positive extension of Roman territory <coughs> must have been gained. That means he's gone over here, he's conquered, he's killed at least 5,000, and that there is no more battle to fight, and the area is now under Roman rule, and they have set up a new territory or a new colony. The victory must have been won on foreign soil for him to have this parade. Not in a civil war, but on foreign soil. Triumphs, they say, were very rare. But in an actual triumph march, the procession of the victorious general would march through the streets of Rome on his way to the capital. And you can even read about the sequence of the march as historians would write. The very first ones that were marching would be the Senate. Then they came after them with trumpeters who would herald that they're coming. Then came the spoils taken from the conquering land, carted along on carts. For example, when Titus conquered Jerusalem in 70 A.D., the seven-branch candlestick, the golden table, and other devices and instruments from the, the Jerusalem were carried to Rome and paraded in triumph. Then they would also bring painted pictures of the common land, artists that would make models of conquered ships and conquered citadels to show everybody what they overcome. Then they would be followed by a white bull which was going to be offered as a sacrifice to the gods. Then there came the wretched captains, captives after that. The enemies, the princes, the leaders, the generals, all in chains. 
shortly to be flung into prison or even be executed. Then there came what was called the lickers or the punishers who would be beating them with rods as they march along. Then there came musicians that would be playing musical instruments and, and then there would be priests swinging their censers and their sweet-smelling incense burning Amen. In this Roman march. And then there came the general himself. All of this huge entourage coming with him. The general would be in a, a chariot drawn by four horses. He was clad in a purple tunic embroidered with gold and palm leaves. And over it a purple toga marked with golden stars. In his hand he would have an ivory scepter with a Roman eagle on the top of it. And over his head... A slave would hold the crown of Jupiter. And after him rode his family. And finally at the very end came the army wearing all their decorations and they would be shouting, Triumph! 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 Amen. This is the picture that Paul had in his mind when he said that Jesus Christ destroyed the enemy and won the victory openly before him, amen, and he triumphed over them. That means in heaven's mind, there was a parade of glory that came, amen, in that resurrection moment to, to know that the devil had been defeated and he's only hanging around for a little while until one of these days he's going to have the end of that that, that march, but until then, Brother Chris, I'm marching with the triumph. I'm marching with the victory. I'm not marching with the victim. I'm not marching because I've got defeat. I'm marching in victory. It does not matter what happens in your world. It does not matter how you feel. It does not matter what happens in your body. You are marching in a triumph. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here today that knows that you're in the Parade. Woo, I'm in the parade. Jesus made a show of it openly. Can I tell you right now, the thing that hell hates about you, he hates the fact that you know they're already whipped. He hates the fact that you know principalities have already been subdued. And that is under your foot now. Hell's plan for your life will not succeed. The writer puts it like this, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Well, let's take it a little bit further. It's not even that the enemy can form weapons because he's already taken them from him. Pastor, but what about all this temptation stuff? And it's because he's got some words, but he can't hurt you. But you know what I'm going through. You know what my family's going through. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor because I'm in Christ. I am not a victim, I, but, but, but I, I had a divorce. So you're not a victim. I was abused. Okay. There's a lot of people in this room can tell you stories of abuse. Tell you stories about where they've been and what they've been through. 
Amen. But I want to tell you today, there's a lot of us also that are marching in the march and the parade of triumph. I am in the triumph zone right now because I'm marching. I don't know where I'm at, but I'm going to make sure that the world knows and that the enemy knows I win. I win. I win. Hallelujah. Like Corey Spencer when he, uh, McCool, when he went out, he died. Amen. The last words in his mouth was, I win. Cancer had grabbed his body. Amen. How, what a horrible story you think. No, I win. I win. Sitting in the room with Sister Walls years ago uh, as she was passing into the next life. Amen. Can I just tell you, the Holy Ghost came in that room and there was a feeling, not of defeat, not of sorrow and woe, but a feeling of victory. I'm overcome. I don't know what's on the other side, but I plan on marching in a parade until that day comes when I march with my, my mom and dad and my brothers and all the other folks that stand with me please you're not a victim there'd be a lot less people with issues if they changed their mind from being a victim a lot less issues in people's world a lot less people would have to go spend the Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on psychiatrists and, and psychologists and physical doctors if they realize they're already one. My mind doesn't belong to the devil. Your mind does not belong to the devil. Hallelujah. Well, you, Pastor, you just don't know how the torment. Whatsoever things are true, if there be any good report, if whatever things are lovely, if there's virtue, Amen. What does he say? Think on these things. What does he say? I'm marching. I'm marching in victory. I'm marching in victory. Hallelujah. Let's come to the front right now. And I want us just to take a moment and begin to say in our spirit, I'm not a victim. I am not a victim. I've had hardships. I've had loss. But I'm not a victim. I've had pain and I've had abuse. But I'm not a victim. Amen. I ain't got much money, but I'm not a victim. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord, today. Hallelujah! This world is not my home. I'm just passing through, but I'm Thank you for listening to the MPC Podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.